0: Hi, I'm Rick Russo and uh, president of Spirecast. And um, just love that uh, you're joining us today uh, for this Spirecast. Um, You know, at Spire, one of the things we want to do is help uh, bring connection and collaboration uh, among leaders, uh, ministry leaders. You know, all of us know that ministry is uh, challenging. I'm, I'm not in any conversation today. Um, with pastors and church leaders that I don't uh, hear us talk about the stress and the pressures and uh, things are changing and what's next and how do we lean in and um, we're all still dealing with the after effects of uh, COVID. I was just speaking at a conference and Dr. Henry Cloud was there and he was talking about the reshaping that's happened uh, for leaders. Um, Some of our own personal wiring gets reframed, uh, how we end up in isolation sometimes uh, just listening to him talk about, uh, to, to all of these pastors, the challenges they have uh, makes me glad we're doing what we're doing at Spire, because we're trying to focus around uh, health and resiliency for leaders, for pastors, for ministry-headed people. So we're glad you're joining us today. I'm especially glad today uh, to have Nokomis Perez with us. Uh, Nokomis is the lead pastor at Harvester Christian Church up in St. Louis, and um, he has made this transition. Uh, So as we bring Nokomis in, it's an opportunity for us to uh, uh, hear from what I consider one of the bright young leaders out there. Uh, uh, Nicomas, you've just been this steady player uh, at St. Louis. Tell us how long you were at Harvester, the roles you had, and then we'll kind of come back to this transition period you're in.
1: Yeah, I would say steady is a good word to describe. I've been here for uh, a long time um, on staff for 15 years, but I started as an intern. And so it's, it's been a church that I've seen from the closet, the broom closet all the way up. And so it's a, it's a church I love. I served as an intern, then did middle school ministry for a long time. Love that. And if you're a middle
0: school pastor, you don't have to know Jesus. When you die, you go straight to heaven. If you've worked with middle schoolers, you get like a free pass.
1: Yeah, there's a come on in and then a a little (laughs) hug from Jesus that says, sorry. (laughs) Sorry, that was your role. No, it was a joy. You, you learn so much with middle school um, and families, um, but um, recently got to step up and to be the lead pastor role last year, last April. And uh, I really feel like I'm still leading leading my middle schoolers. I've been here so long. <laughs> they're adults and uh, they're sitting in the pews. So it still feels like middle school ministry
0: to me. And, you know, actually those people act like middle schoolers. Sometimes, they do. So. I, I yeah. think we're all middle schoolers at heart. Uh, hey, tell us about your family. Um
1: yeah, I've been married. This year it'll be 21 years that I've been married. I know I look like I'm 21 years old. Uh, 41, and, you know, and and you married up. Rachel is awesome. Oh, she's a amaz- she's like the female Jesus. Um, <laughs> she's she's wonderful. We have three kids together. Uh, a I've got a sophomore in college who attends Mizzou. A freshman high schooler, and then we adopted our son from Bulgaria. He's eight years old and a whole lot more energy than uh, any of us have. And so I'm learning how to be a father of a.
0: My boy. Uh, yeah, well, good luck with that. So always challenges. You know, one of the things uh, that we've got coming up is the conference. And um, we really love that because, you know, one of what we want to do is, is bring leaders together. Uh, we do it in Orlando this year. We're under one roof at that Marriott World Center. Uh, it'll be our second time there. It's such a great uh, connectivity you you're going to be speaking this year we're excited about that but i know you've been just give us kind of if you don't mind what was your sense of what happened that's maybe different from other conferences yeah
1: i'll tell you what, like i've we've been a part of the north american for a long time and when it to switched to spire i wasn't able to make the first uh first one but last year my wife and i went and we loved it it was uh not just a great program but great people and great heart behind everything that was mentioned but uh, the thing that we sat there thinking most of spire was man i wish our team was here um because that's the one thing we didn't do last year so this year we're looking forward to bringing uh, a team from harvester christian church because it sparks a ton of conversations that it's healthy to have with teams Um, and then just connecting with other people and church leaders uh, you you and your team rick you, you guys do a phenomenal job of knowing what's happening around the country in different regions of the country and so we're we're in the Midwest. We're in a flyover area in St. Louis. But uh, the stuff that we are pulling out of that, man, we we brought home and it's been a huge blessing to Harvester. So thank you to Spire. Thank you to Rick, you, Rick, what you guys are pouring into us leaders across the country.
0: Well, one of the things I love about the conference is we really try to create space for those conversations. So people bring in teams and whether your team is uh, large like you guys have at Harvester or it's a team of two or you and a volunteer who comes, who's a volunteer leader with you. It provides interaction and connectivity. That's what we really care about. Um, hey, we're doing a giveaway on Instagram uh, for some tickets to uh, one of the Disney parks uh, during the conference, if you're open to that. So check out on the social media, get registered for the conference, love to have you there. But you know, this topic we're gonna talk about today is um, setting healthy boundaries. And you know, I, I, I was, um, been in 40 some years in ministry, I hate to admit that actually, uh, I was 28 years as the lead at Life Bridges, as you know, and you know it's it's a challenge. It's a you know our, we, we we have a job that's ill defined. Um, we have a job that doesn't have a, a, a starting time and a stopping time. We have a job that uh, bleeds into weekends and and um, so getting boundary time for time off and our families live in fish bowls and all of the stuff that goes with that. But before we jump into some of what you learned, I'd love to to get a sense from you because. There's a lot of transition going on today. There's a lot of guys transitioning just like you've done. And you and Doyle did a great job with that. You know, Ben did a great handoff to Doyle. You, Doyle's done a great handoff to you. But transition is transition. Give us, if you don't mind, just reflect on this last year. You, you've done a whole year now. You're in as the lead. What did you see difference from, from being the lead person to when you were on staff. now I'm not talking about your intern roles, because you know those are always like dog years, but you know, give me just a little bit of like how's your vantage point changed on some stuff?
1: Yeah, so the difference that I'm seeing now is that the part part of what I'm feeling is that people want access to the chair you sit in more than the person who's sitting yeah. in the chair. Um, no nobody sorry, really cared sorry. what the middle school pastor was doing uh, before i when I was sitting in that chair. But the moment you sit in the lead pastor chair, all of a sudden, I think the, the rest of the church views you as um, the expert in everything, the answer to every problem. If, if they can just have a little bit of time with you, then it'll fix their problems. And uh, part of that's scary to me because I know that ultimately it's God who sits in that chair in that role. And he is the, the source of our hope. And it's, it's not me. I know me and my deficits. Unfortunately, I don't think the church sees all of those as well as God sees them and I see them. And so um, so a year ago, one of the things that transition allows you to do is to basically hit reset on how you approach your role, especially when you take on a new role. And so that's one of the things my wife and I sat down right away and said, you know, if, if we're going to do this for a long time, um, and I hope to do that, we're, we're in our early 40s. I hope to do it for 20 years. If we're going to make it for 20 years, we have to set some boundaries so that we can't
0: make it for 20 years to, to care for ourselves, but also to care for for our church as well. So so why do you think we as pastors um, struggle with boundaries? What do you think that's about?
1: It probably comes down to the, just the pastor's heart. I think most pastors, they, they take the role because they love people. Um, like we want to care for people and we're shepherds and we want to we, we would much rather take the sacrifice than have our congregation sacrifice. And so mm. we're self-sacrificing. We'll do whatever it takes to love people, to fulfill our calling. Um, but I think if we're shepherds, I, I think we need to develop those boundaries for the benefit of our sheep and as, as well as ourselves. And shepherds, I think that's one thing shepherds should do is set boundaries for your sheep, but also set boundaries for yourself as well.
0: Yeah. And I think one of the things that, that uh, contributes is you know, we have healthy enough egos and, and I say that in the right way, not, uh, you know, God's given us uh, ego. Mm-hmm. Um, but but, um, you know, we, we want to do well. We, we want things to work. And so when they're not, we work harder. Yeah. And, you know, all we know to do is lean in sometimes. How how is it that you define a healthy boundary? What does that look like for you?
1: You know, the, the, the way it started for us um, for for me and my wife is one, it started with my wife as well of pulling her in. She knows me better than anybody. Uh, she sees pastor Nikomas, but she also sees living room Nikomas. Um, and it's, it's learning what to say no to, but also what to say, what we have to say yes to. And so I would say like saying no starts with knowing what you have to say yes to first. So if you're going to set healthy boundaries, you have to know, okay, what are the things that only I can do in my role? And so no matter what role you fill in the church that's the question is like my role what are the only things that um my role can do am i the only one in our church that can do weddings am i the only one in the church that can do counseling sessions um probably not uh and so what in the role that i sit in can only i do so so for me i i uh, defined three things and i think that's where it has to start off is if you're going to define healthy boundaries you have to define your priorities, and specifically the priorities of your role. And so stepping into the lead pastor role, and Rick, you know this, um, that the lead pastor, what are the things that only he can do? Uh, when I started at Harvester, I'm like, well, it's the shepherd of shepherds. Um, I, I have to set time aside and set boundaries so that I can say yes to our shepherds at Harvester Christian Church, which is our elders and our staff. And so if, nobody, if I'm not shepherding our elders and staff, who is doing that at Harvester? Like the staff, they're shepherding the congregation, but um, who's who's shepherding them? So I have to be able to say yes to them. Um, As a preacher, I I have to say yes to preaching, which means that's a top priority for me, uh, setting time aside in the schedule to write messages and to develop series and to work on the future of how we're going to present the gospel to our congregation. Uh, Shepherding Shepherds, um, preaching the gospel, which is how I shepherd the congregation primarily, and then a third priority is just my home. Um, if I don't care for my home, nobody else in the, the church is going to. And so those are the three things that I have to say yes to. And they always get my best yes, my best time in my first yes, uh, shepherding leaders, shepherding the congregation through preaching, and then just shepherding my family. And part of that then is just putting that in your calendar so that you say yes to those things,
0: um, which gives you the opportunity to say no to some other things. That's, that's really good. When I was in my 20s, um, I, uh, as, a, as a side hustle, uh, I was teaching time management classes for like Covey. Uh, they'd send me around to companies and I would do that. And we had that whole, how, how do you, how do you, and, and the line was, how do you learn to say no? You just need to say no. And, and it took me about two years to sort out that that's not actually true. I, mm-hmm. I don't need to say no better. I need to say yes better. I love how you're using that language because for every yes I give, I'm given a dozen no's when I say yes to a speaking engagement uh, out out of state. I'm saying no to doing something with my family that weekend. I'm saying no to being with my team at the church. I'm saying no to sermon prep, potentially. So I love your language around that. I think you're spot on. It's what are we saying yes to? So so when you do say no, what are some gracious ways that you're learning to say no? (laughs) Because not everybody wants to hear you say no to them, by the way.
1: Being Hispanic, I say it in Spanish. I feel like that helps out. Awesome. <laughs> um, I just say no. Uh, um, no, I, I think when you can say yes to the things that are most important, I think people understand that of being able to say, um, you know, there's some spots in my calendar that are already taken for like for me. Um, one of the boundaries I put in place is I, I pick my son up from the bus stop at a certain time every day. Wow. And so I'm able to say, I, I can't do this because if I, if I do this, then my son does not come home from school. And so I've got a hard stop with those. Um, I've got Thursdays that, that are blocked out completely for message prep, whether I'm preaching or not. Um, but I think the most gracious way to say no is, and it's probably approaching it with this mentality that a no from me doesn't mean a no from our church. And I think that's where maybe some younger leaders, they're really good at saying no, but not really redirecting to an open door. Like if I'm going to close the door with you, I need to be gracious enough to show you where an open door might be. Um, So one of the things that I'm learning to say is, you know, I can't help you, but I can connect you with someone at our church who can. So me saying no is not saying no for Harvester. It's just saying it's saying yes for Harvester, but it's, a different person. And often that person is usually a better resource than what I am as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it really removes the guilt for me. Um, Like when someone will ask about, you know, I've, I'm going through this crisis in my life. I'm not a great crisis counselor, um, but we do have some great people in our church and on our team who are. And so I'm okay with saying no to that because I can open a door to someone else who is a better yes to them
0: yeah i um we've got some questions that have come in through social um Andy's asking what are the most important boundaries that get overlooked we know those big ones we ought to put but 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 what ones get overlooked for us do you think
1: from what I've seen from pastors and this is an obvious one is it's the 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 end boundary so like the the end of the day boundary I think a lot of people put boundaries within their schedule but then they'll extend that schedule into their family time um but i I, th- I think we are willing to sacrifice ourselves, but sometimes we're also willing to sacrifice our families. And so sometimes we can say, I know what my giftings are, so I can say no to things that I'm not gifted in, but I'll also receive some things on my schedule that um, I have to say no to my family. I, I was talking to a- one of my pastor mentors recently, and he's telling me, he says, You know, I can't tell you um, the names of the people who benefited from me overworking. But I can tell you the names of those who were hurt by me overworking. That's, a, that's and then he began to list off his kids' names. Yeah, that's a great line,
0: actually. So it's great. like
1: this: we're willing to say yes to a lot of things in our work schedule and extend that, and then it's our families who get burnout. I, I'm someone who'm like, I don't know if I'll ever get burnout. I, I probably shouldn't say that, but I can easily see me burning out the people I love um, because I, at the office, at the church, my eyes are on the congregation, my eyes are on our team. Um, and my, my family's at home. And so
0: I think they're really easy to miss. Uh, that's, that's, that's really, I mean, that's, that's actually really powerful, whoever's giving you that advice, that's fantastic advice. The problem is some of that comes for us in hindsight, right? You know, we, I can look back and, and, and see my own time when I didn't establish those, you know, Daniel's asking, how do you differentiate between the job, the task you get paid for, right? We, we do have things we're paid to do and ministry. Uh, the things you're doing because you're a follower of Jesus, you know, and, and maybe even that's not uh, how we define that. But but as you think about that, how is it that you're 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 saying, hey, this this is my job. I'm establishing some boundaries. But as a follower of Christ, I'm called to do these other things, neighboring or uh, uh, loving the 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 under, underserved. You know, what, what's that look like? How, how do you differentiate in that?
1: Yeah, I think. I think that it almost, you have to differentiate, at least for me, my role at the church and my calling as a Christian. So my, my calling as a pastor, and my calling as a Christian, there's things that um, I can do at the church that nobody else can do, but that doesn't mean that the things that Jesus called me to do as a Christian get set on the back burner. Um, my, my heart, it bleeds and breathes spiritual formation and discipleship, but I also know that Jesus has still called me to impact my neighbors. And so part of that setting boundaries for me is if I can get home, then I can be in my neighborhood. For example, um, I can, I can be part of my son's baseball team and talking to those parents. And um, I can't, I can't just be a pastor and set uh, limitations that excuse me from what Jesus has called me to do either. Um, and so, so part of that also, I think is just discerning the Holy spirit. I think we can set up boundaries of things that we that our role calls us to do set up healthy boundaries. But what I love when you read the gospels is you see Jesus, he's on this mission um, at one point to get to Jerusalem, but you see the Holy spirit directing him towards interactions with individuals as well. And a lot of times I want to skip by those interactions, uh, but to just pause and to know that there's these times where the Holy spirit directs us out of our boundaries to, to have conversations, to be not just a pastor, but to be a friend to be a neighbor, um, to share the gospel with someone who doesn't go to your church or to care for
0: someone who uh, will never come to your church. Um, yeah, one of the one of the things that I found, um, you know, uh, always the balance, right? And I w- I'm sure I was terrible at this, but but the things we're doing as our job um, and then as a member at the church at LifeBridge, I would say to our staff, so what's your volunteer time? Because we're asking everybody else who has a full-time job. Uh, to volunteer in with us and, um, and, and to be a part of who we are and what we do. And so the challenge around that, I think, uh, comes uh, for us to sort out how we're uh, going to do that. Now it looks like I've got a little technical glitch here. Uh, Nicomas, you're back. I don't know what happened. Um, you know, you're in you're in Missouri, and and uh, maybe you, you're in that heat wave right now, and you just had a brownout roll through. That right. was the
1: boundary I set for prayer time that I just took. I'm sorry about that. Does
0: well, that- I think maybe you said, "Hey, I, I told you guys I would only do 20 minutes," and boom, I'm out. So, uh, you know, one of the one of the things I was saying is just as you went off was that, you know, I would try to encourage our staff at LifeBridge to think about, "Hey, there's some things we're paid to do. It's our job." where are you volunteering at the church? Mm -hmm. Because we're asking everybody else who has a full-time job and they, 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 you know, they, they work wherever. um, And then we're asking them to give volunteer time and we're asking them to attend. And that's not a volunteer time. And I think one of the, one of the struggles that I faced as a young guy was I assumed that everything was my job. Mm -hmm. And the truth is some of it was my job and some of it was what I'm now currently doing as a member of a church. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yep. You know, one of the things that i've i held on to after leaving youth ministry was just volunteering in middle school ministry so like right now i'm a eighth grade boys volunteer life group leader <laughs> and it. part of that is just to just to do discipleship and to love families and to still shepherd um, and i'll be honest it's a lot harder doing those things is a lot harder than doing the things on your job description sometimes but the, the way that you're fulfilled and the way that it keeps you um focused on what god's called you to do man it's it's so filling
0: yeah, uh, it, you know, Roger's asking, um, what boundaries are you setting for helping people who aren't part of the church, outside of the church? You know, we all get kind of bombarded with needs that come in. Yeah. Um, how, how do you how do you set some boundaries there? I'll be honest, like
1: for me, one of the things that I, I, I shoot out right off the bat when someone wants to meet with me is like, I'm you know, I'm a Christian, right? You know that like the foundation of me is Jesus. And so the, the only way I know how to help or to to have conversation is to to wrap it in biblical wisdom and the heart of Jesus. Um, like weddings is one of those for me that I'll get a lot of requests of, hey, we want to use your building or we, we've we heard you speak and we want you to do our wedding. But I'm like, I'm not sure that they, they believe in Jesus. I, uh, so that's one of the things it's like we, we can have the conversation. We can do the wedding, but I want you to know that I'm not going to do it if I can't talk about Jesus Um, or if you want some counseling that is outside of the scope of who Jesus is, I may not be the best person. But if you're okay with me giving you the best advice that I have, you have to know that it comes from Scripture and it comes from the person of Jesus. Um, So if they're willing to walk that journey,
0: um, I'm I'm willing to walk that journey, too, even if they're outside of Harvest or Christian church. Yeah. Very good. Andy's asking, uh, what have you learned from the occasions when you failed to enforce boundaries? Um,
1: it, it's, it's more just pain th- that I've learned. Um, it, it was probably maybe two or three years ago I was at home and my son, he he's eight years old. He's he probably six or seven at the time, looked up to, at my wife and, um, I was in earshot, but he's like, mom, why's, why's dad home right now? Is he going to work soon? And that was one of those just painful, painful moments where like, man, I don't I don't want to do that. Um, I don't I don't I don't want to burn my family. I don't want to win the win people to Christ and then watch my son walk away from Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know how hard it is to be a pastor's kid in a church anyway. And so to, to compound it, my ultimate hope is that um, not that harvester grows, that but that my family grows in harvester. And so part of what I'm trying to figure out is how do I create a healthy place for my family to grow, uh, which will hopefully spread to others.
0: Um, that's, that's really good. Um, we've, got, we've got time for two more questions. One I have for you just at the end, but uh, David's asking, is there a question that a pastor should almost always say no to? I could think of like six or seven right off the top <laughs> of my head, you know, um, uh, but uh, what what hits you in a broad stroke? Is there something that you should say no to? I I think it starts with understanding. I mean, there's obviously
1: some moral things that you should always that's, say. That's you right. should I went down that with...
0: really quick. Just a...
1: <laughs> yeah, those those should be obvious ones. For me, it's like I, I have to know what my gifting is. Um, and so like what's what's my scope of expertise when it comes to having conversations? And if it's outside of that, I will always say no to it. Um, so so I know for me, like grief counseling addiction is not in my i don't i don't know how to have those conversations whether it's drugs or sexual addictions or divorce is outside of my scope right now and so for me i know here's the things in the conversations that i can always say yes to um but when it comes to these other things there's some professionals who have poured their life into dealing with those subjects that they're a better resource to so um if it has to do with immorality or Obviously, no, no, no.
0: Yeah, when, you know, Colorado's always ahead of the curve on stuff. So we, you know, pot was legal 15 years ago, way ahead of the rest of the country. And I, I said to our staff, I realize it's legal, but it's still no. Yeah, it's <laughs> so, still no. It's still no. There's a whole long list of those things. You know, I, I think one of the uh, wisest insights you gave was right at the beginning. So I just want you to hit it again. Of uh, What is it you're saying yes to? Um, and, and, and define, I mean, how, how did you arrive at, at that? What, what, how did you spend time sorting out what you're saying yes to?
1: Yeah. So the, for me, it was the 30,000 foot view of myself. I think as leaders, we do a great job sometimes of looking at a 30,000 foot view of our ministry and our church. Um, those moments where you can get out of the ministry and say, what is the vision of this church? What is it? What is it resourced with? What is the opportunities? I think we need to do that with ourselves as well. And um, for transition, it's a great time to do that, where you can say, you know, who am I? Uh, what do I have to offer? How has the Holy Spirit wired me? Those are the things I need to say yes to. Um, and if he's wired me with those, he's probably wired somebody else with my weaknesses. Hmm. And so just knowing um, knowing how the Holy Spirit's wired you is key. Um, I, I love this next generation, they they seem to be really interested in being self aware, um, maybe too much, we might be talking about ourselves too much. Uh, but I think self awareness is the key to that. And maybe even just asking um, your leaders and your elders of, you know, what are the priorities for you in this role?
0: And here are my giftings, um, do those match up well. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. Well, the Columbus loved having you today, sharing your insights. Can't wait to see you in Orlando if I don't see you before. and Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you in September face to face. Yeah, that'll be awesome. And uh, uh, don't forget to get signed up for the conference. Um, if you want those uh, tickets, uh, you want to be in into that, just uh, follow us at Spire.network uh, on Instagram and on Facebook. Um, also, if you want to uh, repost uh, at Spire, uh, tag us at Spire.network and uh, uh, we want to just have you included in and in part of what's going on. So, thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you next time. God bless.